0: And if you want to learn even more about Thorn, go to episode 323 of Behind the Shield podcast, and you will hear my interview with Wes Barnett and Joel Totoro from Thorn. This episode is sponsored by 5.11, a company that I've used for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 5.11 is offering you guys, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount on every purchase you make with them. you will get 15% off, not just that one purchase, but every time you visit their store. And if you want to learn more about 5.11, their mission, their products, then listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO and founder, Francisco Morales. Welcome to the Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome back onto the podcast Dr. Belissa Vranich and Bas Rutten. Now, Belissa and Bass have both been on this show independently in previous episodes, but they have come together for their new program, Breathing for Warriors MMA. Now, for many of us listening, you are in the tactical profession, so police, fire, military or medicine. But I am a true believer in the fact that the training for mixed martial arts truly parallels the training for the tactical athlete, both the fitness, mobility, explosion and the unknowns that exist in our worlds. Now as a side note, Bass and Belissa are offering you, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, 15% off this new program. If you go to thebreathingclass.com and use the discount code WARRIOR15, you will receive 15% off the program we discussed today. Now as you will hear, we discuss a host of topics from breathing in different anatomical positions, deregulating the nervous system, breath and sex, and so much more. Now, before we get to this incredible conversation, as I say every week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every single five-star rating truly does elevate this podcast, therefore making it easier for others to find. And this is a free library of over 700 episodes now. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to every single person on planet Earth who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I welcome back Dr. Belissa Vranich and Bas Rutten. Enjoy. Well Belissa and Bass, I wanna say firstly, thank you both for coming back on the show. You are both my guests and an independent, you know, separate guests as uh, you know on your own. But now we're doing this collective uh, conversation here. So I wanna start by welcoming you back to the Behind the Shield podcast. Thank you. Boom.
1: Yeah,
2: Boom. thank you. Good for having me to be for beer, especially with the crazy Belisa. <laughs>
0: Obass, I want to start with you because I've asked you know, ab- about you since the last time we recorded, you were going through some issues with your neck. Have you had any improvement with that?
2: Well, you know, I don't know if you see it uh, here my arm. It's still atrophied. Yes. But believe it or not, what I have now is bumped. It's actually, it's much better than it was. So after the last surgery, I got my hand back uh, because I couldn't pull the trigger from a gun. I couldn't hold the glass. It was, that was a very scary thing. But as soon as I got it back, I said, Lord, I'm happy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so I, I stopped complaining now. So
0: Beautiful. Now, post-surgery, are you starting to see an improvement? Are you gaining more and more strength back as time goes on? No,
2: no. I think the strength stays the same. It's just now about you know maintaining them and just keep busy. I don't think it will ever come back, but I think if I just work it out, which I do like three times a week, I have this program that I do to activate the the, the muscles, uh, the nerves for the muscles, the biceps. But my triceps came back. My shoulder starts to get a little stronger. Uh, my bice uh uh, my biceps i don't think my lower biceps will come back because that's too far gone
0: yeah well i'm sorry to hear that but i mean you probably got an even better left hook now that's what i'm
2: saying you know everything happens for a reason and it's like i said once i had my hand back and i could hold things again because i was doing everything with my left it's a nightmare try to wipe your butt with your left hand it's really funny
0: (laughs) apparently in some cultures they do that i think it's india where they think it's uh disrespectful to use your right hand so yeah. There we go. As you <laughs>
1: shake hands yeah. with your right. There we
0: go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Well, Melissa, before we get into, obviously, what we're really going to discuss today, which is the uh, Breathing for Warriors MMA, you, obviously, your your world is the world of breath. I had an interesting conversation with my dad, and Bass, this pertains to you as well, where he was saying, where was the conversation on improving respiratory strength as we had this COVID conversation, as we had this virus that was attacking people's lungs. So I'd love to just kind of give you the microphone for a moment and and get your perspective of the last two years through someone whose life's work is around breath.
1: You know, and make sure you take it away from me, the microphone that is, because <laughs> I have a lot to say about this topic. You would have thought that people um, and, and the medical community um, would have looked for more solutions and more prevention. And I was uh, expecting more people to be interested in how do I strengthen my lungs? So a good chunk of people did say, you know, realize we're gonna have COVID, we're gonna have something else that comes up. We're in the middle of a respiratory health crisis and, and it's not going away anytime soon. So what can I do to strengthen my lungs? But I think uh, in general, the message we should have been getting should have been more about, hey, what can we do rather than just wait for a vaccine, if that's what you were into, You know, what can we do to actually strengthen our bodies and take away risk factors? What's interesting is a lot of the risk factors um, are affected by the breath. So, for instance, high blood pressure was a risk factor and it continues to be a risk factor. And that's something that is controllable um, and is, is very much affected by the way you breathe. So, um, thankfully, uh, folks are sort of understanding that they can strengthen, like they say, strengthen lungs. And we know your lungs necessarily don't get strengthened. It's the muscles around them that get strengthened, but you can actually change your numbers, your pulmonary functions, and you can make them better. And it's just like exercising any other part of your body. So I think COVID made us a little bit more alert to this and hopefully that ball will keep rolling.
0: And so just to kind of clarify, because this was my father, who's a, a vet, it's funny that the veterinary world was was trying to tell a lot of the human medical world, hey, this is what we use, even some of the, the treatments. Um, And it was falling on deaf ears from what I understand. But talk to me about the importance of the, resp- the strength of the respiratory muscles to clear, for example, mucus from pneumonia, et cetera, from the lungs.
1: Great question. You obviously had a very in-depth conversation with your dad is that the exhale is tremendously important. Um, it's really it's the underdog, the exhale. Nobody thinks exhale when they think of like, they think breathe, inhale, take a breath, but they don't think about how important the exhale is. Now, if you have a weak exhale, you're going to have a weak cough and your cough or, or your sneezing is your first line of defense. So when something goes in that shouldn't That cough is actually incredibly protective. So, you're having a good cough is is the difference between uh, bronchitis and pneumonia. It's what actually keeps you safe. So, as the general public really has terrible breathing mechanics, their exhale and their coughing is not good, those breathing muscles are weak. And it makes for a cough that's what's called less effective, meaning less stuff comes out. And as you practice having the mechanics be good and having your exhale muscles be strong, your coughing will get better. And that's actually a way to keep yourself safe and a way to keep yourself healing from anything that happens in your lungs.
0: Well, same kind of concept to you, Bas. I mean, you have the O2 trainer who's talking literally about a tool that strengthens the respiratory system. What was your perception of the conversation or lack thereof of this very tool during the last two years?
2: I think it was insanity. It's like, where was it that, hey, go outside, be healthy, do some things. You don't take vitamin D sports. Don't make yourself more unhealthy. Put a mask on it and rebreathe everything that you Supposedly has to get out of your system because it's not good anymore. But now you're rebreathing it the whole time. I would say, you know, do that and the breathing. You know, I I was interviewed by a pastor and he was talking to me um, uh, after the thing and, and he heard about the auto train and he says this is a good thing for my buddy who's in the hospital right now with COVID. His family kind of say, are saying their goodbyes already. It was that bad. I mean his. Uh, oximeter was really low. The 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 oxygen that he had in his blood, and I said no no that's he cannot do that because it's a muscle attack. You know right now he needs everything to recoup. I said but do me a favor, and this is a technique Dr. Belisa taught me. Is to just put a book lay down, but which is do- already he's in bed. Put the bo- book on your solar plexus and just start raising the book with your breathing. You just control your breathing like that because then you start diaphragmatically breathing, which can take up to five times more oxygen in your body and they were freaking out. The next day he went, I, I literally, he went from like 82 to 96 in one day, you know, as by just breathing correctly. So that's, there's the thing. And and, and it, what also drives me nuts that this is going to slip into a, a little different uh, subject, athletic performance. You know, we all talk about as fighters, you know, in your interview with fighters, Tony Ferguson, right? Everybody's talking about, oh my God, his stamina is just insane. And we you know we, we want, they all want the stamina that Joe uh, uh, Ferguson has. And nobody's doing it. I go, dude, look at him breathe in the corner. I mean, that's it. That's why, because you guys are raising your shoulders. You know, this guy's completely still everything. You only see his core, you know, the diaphragmatic or we call it horizontal breathing. That's what Tony Ferguson does. So they can do the same thing. Everybody can do the same thing. If that person had like 82 oximeter uh, and then the next day was 96 with just one night of breathing, you know, but I mean, let's focus on that. And we all believe, and that's the problem, that we are breathing correctly. I was like that. You know, you see me in my world title fights, you see me raising the shoulders really fast. I would get so tired that my breathing couldn't get up, uh, uh, keep up with my body. My muscles would never get tired. Now it's the complete opposite. Now it's like my muscles start getting tired, but I don't, I, my breathing is completely under control. I had Leo de Machina doing it. He did it for four months, got a COVID attack. And then he called me, he left me a message. If you hear the message, you're going to freak out. He goes like, it was he was freaking out as well. He said, I just started training again with my students who are training, fighting in the UFC and in Ballot and all these organizations. He said, I outlasted everybody after I had a week of COVID. He says, and this is so weird, boss. My muscles get tired, but my breathing was in complete control. I go, dude, I have exactly the same thing. Now my muscles need to pick up my breathing muscles before it was the other way around. Well, I actually wasn't using my breathing muscles. I wasn't using my shoulder, raising my shoulders and my neck, you know, and uh, if you think about it, all those muscles that you're using to lift up, you know, they also take oxygen. So as, a, as an athlete, it's the dumbest thing. And also, again, what I uh, learned from Dr. Belisa as well, if you look at Jack Daniels, not to drink, of course, this guy is the most insane endurance coach many times of the year, the best one. He trains Olympic, uh, Olympians. The first thing he does when a new athlete walks in is like, take your shirt off, get on a treadmill and he watches your breathing. And if that breathing is not correct, they will fix that first before they go on. But wait, hey, wait a minute, they're Olympians. Yeah, but we don't know. I was a world champion. I won my world title. If you see me breathe like this, I mean, we didn't know because we all believe that we all already breathe correct, which is 95% of the people actually breathe incorrect. And the 5% who breathe correct probably have classes.
0: Stay, <laughs> stay with you for a second then, because I want to get back to the average person. But when you've got an elite performer who's winning in all these MMA you know, divisions and organizations, Walk me through your breathing evolution. Like, where was your aha moment where you realized that there was room for improvement in, in the one area that you probably thought of the least?
2: You know, not at that moment. But what I do realize is once I dove in, because everybody comes to me and goes, dude, you know so much about breathing. And that's from Dr. Belize. And she told me everything. And, and you know, and, and, and there's still a lot to learn. You know, but there were things that I was doing during fighting or preparing that was actually helping my breathing. Like a lot of athletes, what they forget is to uh, uh, to flex their chest muscles. You know, your intercostal muscles, which are the muscles responsible also together with your diaphragm to open up your external intercostals, actually. Right. So, and if you if you, for instance, do a bench press like a week before and your muscles are tight, you simply cannot fill up your lungs completely because your chest cannot expand. So it's very important to uh, to stretch your chest muscles. But I was always doing, and it was so weird because I thought everybody works against me. They would think I would do a lot of abs in the dressing room before the fight. I would do a lot of stamina, but abs, and then I would get my body, his back against my back. They would both, uh, both hook arms and I, he would lean forward and I would stretch my abs out. That's what I thought I was stretching my abs out. Now, when I dove into breathing, I realized what I was doing. Yes, I was stretching my abs out, but also my intercostals. And because of that, because it always made me feel Uh, like I I was breathing easier. That's why I did it. And now I know it's a 100% is because I was stretching my intercostal muscles. So if you're an athlete and you forget that little tiny detail about stretching, and this is the course that we shot, Dr. Blitz and I, we have this all- a bunch of stretches that stretch your intercostals because understand this after the age of 29, you know, your, your chest flexibility, you know, thoracic flexibility is a great word for it. Start to decline. You know, and once it starts to decline, that means that you cannot completely uh, fill up your lungs anymore. They actually, your lungs start shrinking. You see some of these uh, products say, Oh, they they can increase your lung volume. That's bull crap. You can't, you know, we, we men, I believe have like one and a half gallon and women have like a gallon, give or take, you know, you cannot even get more, but, once you, after the age of 29, it will actually start decreasing. So if you're 45 years old, you never did any breath work, never paid attention to it. Your lungs are much smaller. I believe it's like, what is it, 30 milliliters a year, Dr. Relisa?
1: Um, you know what? It's, I ha- I, the statistic I used was in uh, liters, and I compared it to a glass of beer. That's the only thing I remember, so I don't remember exact <laughs> yeah, numbers.
2: But I remember
1: it? it was down, yeah.
2: Yeah, but think about that. It's 30 centimeters in 10 years, that's a, that's a third of a liter gone. From, yeah. For a woman, that's that's a lot, you know, because yeah. she has only four liters. You see, yeah. and the guy has six liters. Unless, of course, you start training and you start working your breathing muscles, and then that's yes flexibility comes back. You have a more uh, a stronger diaphragm that will expand that. Chest. And by the bing, by the boom, you're back in business, but they can only go to the size that they were before. You know, you cannot increase them. That's that's just the lie that people tell you.
1: I gotta tell you, I remember when when Boss sort of had an aha moment he told me about, which was that he said, it's not your lungs that pull in air, it's the breathing muscles that pull your ribcage open. And that pulling your rib cage open is what brings in air. So if you realize that, that's kind of a really it's a simple thought, but it's really yep. sort of a mind-blowing thought, is that. Your lungs don't do anything. They don't pull in air. But if you take the container and you kind of really expand it, that's what brings the air in. So once you start thinking that way, you understand, wow, the muscles that are around it then are incredibly important for my performance, for my longevity, for my quality of life.
2: Yeah. What, what I used to say, your chest doesn't expand because you put air in it. That's your it. chest expands, and that's how you pull the air in. And yeah. that indeed blew my mind as soon as I heard that. I go, oh, wow, I realized what I was doing. You know, and we all believe if you can't expand your chest, you die. Yeah. You know, if your intercostals though, if your diaphragm doesn't work, that's a bad thing. At least you have your intercostals yet, but if they both stop working, Forget about it, and you have eleven yeah. pounds of breathing muscles. We should really pay attention. That's more than an arm waist, a regular arm, not an Arnold Schwarzenegger arm in his prime, of course.
0: <laughs> well, just quickly, you mentioned about doing abs before the fight. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I'm remembering from our conversation a long time ago that by focusing on that area, and I'm thinking about the army PFT. You've got the sit ups, the kind of behind, behind the the head sit ups, and then you know you've got push ups, which again you're in a plank. That's not a great way to prep yourself for what. In that particular case, is I think it's the mile run after that. So talk to me about that. You know what? A, what are poor exercise cho- choices that kind of work against that full breath that you're talking about?
2: Well, uh, uh, every, anything that limits your from your belly and your chest from expanding. If you and if you braced, those, that's it.
1: Yeah, being braced. Look, like, I'm I'm around folks who are taking those PFT uh, military exams all the time. And being braced is going to get in the way of, especially if you're braced all the time, is that you need to be able to go from braced to expanded to braced to expanded quickly. And you have to practice that. And even in fighting, you know, boss can go into it, is that you need to be able to take a breath and then be braced depending on where you are in the ring. And the same with you're getting tested is that you need to be able to have a good brace to be able to keep that plank um, and do the sit-ups, but you also have to be able to let go of the brace quickly to be able to inhale to reoxygenate. and a lot of people don't.
0: Now, what are you seeing as far as the challenges to that if someone is wearing a, a backpack like a ruck or a firefighter's air pack or, for example, a law enforcement officer in the, the belt and the vest?
1: There's some good research on that. There's at least two fantastic articles that talk about how loading your body is actually detrimental to your exhale, which is pretty fascinating, is that once you put on a gear or a vest or a a knapsack, is that your exhale suffers. And if your exhale suffers, it means that your inhale is going to be worse, which means your inhale is going to be faster. So the repercussions, it's a really incredible ripple how just putting load on your body, you think, oh, this this doesn't affect my breathing, but it absolutely does. And it's the exhale. And maybe just knowing that, hey, I have load on me. I should just pay attention to my exhale when I can a little bit because it'll make my inhale better.
0: Mubaz, you were going to say something before. I think I jumped over you when I when I responded to that question.
2: Um what, what trigger give me the last line before that. You remember that? Because there, something triggered me and I wanted to say it. Oh,
0: we were talking about the army PFT and ab, ab exercises before oh. breath. So so what what we
2: this is actually in a course that the Dr. Bleez and I did, you know, we, we, we make sure that, that you still can breathe because you can you, you can divide yourself, let's say your four pieces, right? So if this if my lower belly cannot expand anymore, you're gonna be forced to use your chest muscles which is not a great scenario, but hey, otherwise you die. So let's do that, you know? So we we, we make sure that we give you the techniques to still be breathing once a a thing is locked, once certain body part is locked. Or, you know, like you said with the backpack, if everything hangs, well... This is, this is another thing. Like with a backpack, it depends how tight it is. Again, if it's very tight around the waist, it's going to be very hard for you to breathe. But it's like Dr. Belisa also says, you know, if you're a lengthy and tall guy, chances that you are breathing incorrectly are very high. It's a very slim guy. If you are an overweight guy, your breathing is actually pretty good because you automatically start breathing using your core. Otherwise, you have to raise all that body weight the whole time. You see, so but we go into the in the course. We go over all those scenarios and we tell you, okay, this is how you can breathe if this happens to you. This is how you. You see, so and you can force yourself to do, to be in those positions. You know, put a kettlebell on your body at a certain spot. Maybe at the spleen side, and the other time at the the, the the liver side, and maybe on the solar plexus, because that's a hard one. Because behind the solar plexus, you know, at the lowest part of your rib cage, that's where the diaphragm is attached. You know, that's why it's it's flopping down and expands the chest when that happens. And I always tell people it does this, you know, and they they say, yeah. What does that do? Yeah, well, from that vision doesn't do a lot. From here, you see you see it expanding, and once it expands in the center of your body, that expands your chest. And then together with your external intercostal muscles, of course, your chest opens. But like Dr. Belisa says, you know, you, your axial is very important as well. You need to get all that bad air out, so to say, the used air, you know, and that's, those are your obliques, your core and your internal intercostal muscles. And we always, uh, we compare it with like, if I have a, 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 a gallon of bad water and I have a gallon of good water and I throw out the bad water, I throw out like three quarters of a gallon, but a, a quarter stays in. I can only fill it up with three quarters of good water and that's the same with your lungs so if you don't completely exp- express all the air out well you cannot completely put new air into your lungs so it's very important that you train the exhale as well
0: well Melissa, just before we get to mma because obviously i've talked about this a lot i believe that mma truly does parallel the first responder professions you know i think the the sport itself is so diverse and so unknown that it really does mirror what's required of a police officer or a firefighter. But just before we do that and kind of what are some of the challenges that we're seeing in modern society that are being expressed in the average American that are taking away from the potential of good, strong breath?
1: So, um, you know, we hear this all the time, but screens, your your breath mimics or sort of is parallels the size of your screen. And we are looking at very our horizons are very narrow nowadays as compared to how they were before. So you have to make sure you look up, you look around, and that your breath is going to expand if your the horizon in front of you is is more expansive. So screens are definitely getting in the way. We are, I mean, James Nestor says this as well, is that we're the worst breathers in the animal kingdom. And and Over the last 40, 50 years, it's gotten exponentially worse, and it's because of our screens. So another reason to to try not to be in front of your screen all the time. Then your posture as well. Um, And that's not only shoulders, the rotated shoulders inward, but forward head posture. And most of us spend at least a good chunk of the day in forward head posture because we're in a rush. So it's the posture where your chin comes forward and your face tries to get to wherever you're going first. And it's rushing that does that. That actually really kind of torques out your cervical spine. And that's where you have all the nerves that actually go to your uh, diaphragm. Um, C345 keeps the diaphragm alive. That's exactly where it goes down to. Voss loves that one. Yeah. So posture... Um, our screens, and just misinformation. I mean, as much as I I love Instagram, and I I really do enjoy social media sometimes, is that when you have people that are not educated about what a good breath is, is that um, they're affecting all kinds of other people when they take this big breath where their shoulders come up. And they say things like all breathing is diaphragmatic, which is absolutely untrue. So I think misinformation. There's a you know it's really tough with trying to battle misinformation with good science. Um, that would be mine. Do you on it? Anything else you can think of, Voss?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm just laughing. I say I, I'll guarantee you that every tough guy you know who likes uh, ladies when they're at the beach as if uh they, they when they had breathing classes. They have a perfect breath. As soon as the ladies come by, they start breathing, uh, uh, chest breathing, because that means they have to push their belly out, which is one of the reasons also, as a kid, you start doing it, because you look at superheroes and all these people, and they don't they have abs. And if you breathe through your, your belly, well, other people might think that you're fat. You see? So we start automatically going, like, wait a minute, maybe that's the way they start breathing incorrectly. And then the doctor, we use that, exa- uh, that example as well. You, the stethoscope, he puts it on your chest and he says, take a deep breath. So as a kid, you go, oh, this is where my lungs are. But it's not. You know, the densest most rich part of your lungs is actually at the bottom of your lungs. So start focusing on that.
0: <laughs> I literally had a wellness check. I hadn't seen a doctor in five years since I left the fire service and a friend of mine became a nurse practitioner. So I said, well, I need to do a, just a panel, just a, a, a wellness check. And she did that same thing. She put the stethoscope on my chest and she said, take a deep breath. And she goes, you are the first patient I've ever had that belly breathed when I told him to take a deep breath. So I guess Ah. guess I'm learning from you slowly, huh? (laughs) Good. I love it. Because in the
2: past, I had one who said, no, no, no. I told you to take a deep breath. And I go, I just did. And she said, because I didn't raise my shoulders. So she wasn't that good. She she shouldn't be there in the office.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, the I mean, you guys have been together for a long time now, as far as you know, working side by side. But now you have a, a project that you've done um, specifically aimed at the MMA athlete. However, as I said before, I think the tactical athlete is you know is exactly the same ca- type of person that needs the breath work, that needs the the physical side, the nervous, de- excuse me, nervous system deregulation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. You just released the video. Let's kind of, you know, unwrap that onion, starting with that.
1: So I I can start by telling you it was so much fun to work with Boss. So I always had people say, well, what's he like, you know, in person? Because sometimes people aren't like, or they are behind the scenes. And it was so much fun. So much fun. I got to tell you, the guy, like, the amount of energy he has and the wacky, weird sense of humor Just I was laughing the entire time. I was like, it was actually fun. I've done a lot of videos and a lot of television. And, you know, working with boss was just hilarious. I I don't know, you know, what planet he's from, but he just kept me laughing the whole time. It was it was so much fun. And, And it's a great product, but I'll let him talk about that.
2: No, Planet Boss, that's what they call it. You know, okay, he's on Planet Boss again. But you know, we, we, we're both gifted with ADD, you know, and when you put two people like that together, there's a lot of explosions and a lot of... The poor people around us, they have to try to keep it under control because <laughs> our minds go boom, boom, oh, don't forget this, and just go boom, boom oh, no, this is important. And, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing to control. It's a blessing and it's a curse, you mm-hmm. know. It's a blessing if you know how to use it and to build the right uh, tools, you know, habits, And then it's great fighting, and then whatever you do, it's a freaking blessing because you can completely focus. But boy, if you let go, let it go. It's all over the place. And unfortunately in between shoots and everything, I like to have a lot of fun, Uh, but so that's uh, Dr. Belisa.
1: You know, and it's uh, the other thing is that the longer you work together, the more you can start reading each other's minds. Um, So of course people around you, we're completely vibing with each other and uh, bringing up old jokes and so on and so forth. And, you know, trying to control the both of us was probably a little bit challenging for the people working with us, but it was good. One of the things I have to say about this product is that, um, I'm tremendously proud of it because how often does it happen that you buy a video, you buy a product and you're disappointed in it. You're like, yeah, you know, it should have been cheaper. It could have had more. And we actually, um, erred in the the other direction is that it's so packed with information. It's so packed. And we almost like probably could have put a little bit less in it and saved ourselves some time um, uh, and work, but it's, it's really good. I'm really super stand by it. Um, It's entertaining. It's educational. It's practical. And, you know, there's so much stuff there that nobody can say This is not worth what it is because you can use it. um, You can use it for a class, like if you're a teacher, you can actually play it for your class and then do the exercises that we give. Or you can use it for yourself over and over again as you grow and get better. So, I just got to start by saying I'm I'm really proud of this product.
2: Yep, and Samuel, listen, there's there's so much information. I, I truly believe that every fighter, every athlete, every athlete who needs their lungs or their endurance for their job. And this is just the tip of the iceberg because if you give a big, great meditator uh, and uh, special forces, we always uh, talking about, you know, they, the elite special forces also have correct breathing. And why? Because I always accept very simple example. With a gun, you want to chest breathe, breathe? And now you're going to have to shoot something. It's going to be very hard. But if you control it, there's no movement here. You see? So, all these things come together. But every movie, you always see if somebody goes in before some special forces guy to go in, whether it's James Bond, whoever it is, it's always, they take a deep breath. It's, you know, you you can test this yourself. You to feel your heart rate, take a deep breath. Let very slow your air go out. You will feel your heart rate go down. This is very simple. You can only imagine if you do this for 20 minutes. You see, you're bringing it down. Your cortisol levels drop as well because your heart rate and blood pressure are dropping. You see, and it makes you calm and relaxed. Every athlete on the planet, great athlete, will breathe correctly. And and, and it blows me away that basketball, baseball, anywhere. And baseball, I can understand. I mean, you know, you don't need a, a bunch of stamina because you don't have to constantly run. And if you hit a home run, well, you can just walk it out because if you're Babe Ruth, you know, you just hit it out of the stadium. But, but basketball, and, and I always compare it like this. If you have two teams, let's soccer, right? We, we're now in the World Cup. If you have two teams that are equally uh, gifted, same skill. The team with the most stamina is going to win the most endurance because they can keep on push. It's very simple. And that works in fighting, works in everything else. So people complaining about stamina, but not paying attention to the way they breathe. You're you're an idiot. You're a complete idiot. And I was that idiot all the way back. If somebody would have told me a long time ago, hey, you know, you you should pay attention to your breathing. I would have been the same, you know, but if I would have Dr. Belize, I met Dr. Belize who explained to me how your lungs work. My doctor never told me how my lungs worked. I was a severe asthma patient. I had every five weeks a week in bed because I couldn't eat, even I couldn't get out of bed. You know, I had to do everything in bed. So, and, and you you believe that the doctor teaches you how to breathe correctly, but they don't. And I remember going to breathing classes. I think that as a kid, I would have picked that up. That they say, hey, boss, use your belly to breathe. I didn't hear it, you know. And okay, this is a long time ago because I'm getting old now, but still. You know, it's uh, it's it's weird that no more people pay attention to it, but they are complaining about not having enough stamina.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think what's interesting as well in the fire service specifically, and I think we talked about both of you, you know, probably in the, the first interview, my profession, we, the only air we have on planet Earth inside a fire is what's strapped to our back. But there's never any discussion on breath. There's, there's one term they use called skip breathing, which, you know, usually it, it's in a scenario where you've already been trapped and you're trying to preserve air until someone rescues you. But when you think about nervous system deregulation, you think about the, the actual aerobic capacity, you think about, you know, just, just the, the efficiency of breath. There's no better, um, profession on earth apart from maybe, you know, underwater diver or something, you know, the, the, the welders. Really, the fire service is it. So, if we're not talking about breath, we're missing a massive piece of our performance and uh, you know mental acuity puzzle.
2: You know, it's really funny that you said it because I did a a, a breathing course, also a, a scuba diving course, and and after I came out every time with the water, the the instructor would tell me because that was the first time I did scuba diving. He goes, dude, you're, you don't use a lot of oxygen. You know, you're breathing really well." I go, "But and 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 and." and if you are wearing all the, the gear, you know, you actually you're going to be forced to do it because everything is so heavy, at least outside the water, of course, but once you get in there, but your belly is free. They ought to why do you think they leave that open? You know, because you want to breathe diaphragmatically. But if that a guy, a teacher, tells me that I don't use a lot of oxygen. It's just because I was breathing correctly and you stay calm. Once you start using your chest, this is also where people get nervous. This is anxiety, right? COPD, C-O-P-D uh, anxiety and PTSD. You know, It's when you just start chest breathing. You, that's just the wrong way to do it. Once you start diaphragmatically breathing and controlling your breathing, you're using way less oxygen. You think you're not, but you are.
0: Well, but let's, let's start with that topic then. I mean, obviously we'll get into the aerobic side and performance, but nervous system deregulation. You have it, whether it's before an actual event. And I used to breathe on the way to some of more, you know, potentially dangerous calls, but then you also have after the call, it's 3 a uh, 3 a.m. and you're trying to down regulate so you can try and get some sleep. So let's start there. I mean, obviously you're talking again about the MMA athlete, but the tactical athlete in general. You know what are some things that people are doing wrong, and and what are the tools that you're bringing to us through this program?
1: So you brought up skip breathing, so I'm going to go back there for a second because, as you know, I work with a lot of firefighters, and and Skip and Riley, um, their breath counts, and so is box breathing. But there's this idea that you should be doing those breath counts um, during an emergency, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. When you are, uh, you know, operating at a fire and it's it, things are, are are really going badly, is like the last thing you want to do is start counting. You need to be in touch with your intuition. You need to be able to listen what's around you because you surely can't see anything, and you need to be listening to see uh, communication. Obviously, so you're, you're not going to throw a count in, into that. Um, that's the worst time you can do it. And again, unless you know a lot about, about operating at a fire, you, you don't think about things like that. And same thing with, um, with military is that during, uh, you know, a time when your arousal is really heightened and things are dangerous, you're not going to be doing box breathing. So boss and I talk a lot about, um, what's called targeted breathing, which is breathing in different scenarios dif- at different times. So for me tactical breathing is anytime you're in a tactical situation and that's not only when there's an emergency there's the prep before uh, maybe when you're you know in the truck on the way to the fire once you get there, when you're going upstairs if you work with structural fires um you know pacing yourself on the stairs that's also using your breath, Um, keeping yourself calm when you realize that your heart rate is starting to go up so that you don't go into the black and, and then calming down afterwards, you can get to sleep before the bell rings again and you got to go back out. So the same thing in, uh, in fighting and maybe boss, you can explain the different rings of, of uh, targeted breathing and fighting, because obviously I haven't been there. So um, that concept is one that's terrifically important.
2: Yeah, and, and it's also like in fighting, you know, you're going to have it, but once it suddenly appears to you, you know, to catch it. I I used the example now because I had this problem myself. So my asthma is gone. Uh, well, it's not gone; it's never gone. If you have, uh, if it's exercise induced, you can get rid of it by just breathing. You know, but if you have allergies for pollen and all these kind of things, which I had with a Christmas dinner last year, actually with the, with the class, and I don't own an inhaler anymore because I complete. I used to carry an inhaler everywhere I went. But since I breathe correctly, no more inhalers, zero. So if I now sneeze violently, my lungs won't act up and close down. No, they stay open. But now there was something, I don't know, was in the air and I heard about it. The doctor told me later, there was a lot of people with asthma. So something was in the air and I started having an attack while I was eating dinner with the whole gym. And and I'm freaking out and I realized I was starting to chest breathe. And then immediately, thankfully, I caught it. I go, whoa, 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 buzz. Your chest breathing, what the heck is going on? But you see the panic that I suddenly had it threw me back many years ago and I started chest breathing. As soon as I um, realized that, I started belly breathing and I was fine. Yes, I got pulled, uh, less air in, but uh, um, because my breathing muscles are so strong, I was just pulling it in. Nobody realized at the table that I actually had an asthma attack by just breathing correctly. Now, if we re- relate this to fighting, In fighting, like, for instance, if you're in the corner and you're nice and relaxed, you know, know, there's no pressure. You don't have to be worried. The closer you get to your opponent once you start fighting, the more you have to watch out because if you get uh, hit in the gut on the inhale... Uh, that's a big problem. That's when you go down. I actually want to fight like that one time because I was timing his inhale. And it's after the third inhale, I need him. And the guy went down. He goes like, dude, that knee wasn't that hard. I said, no, but I timed his inhale. And the people were freaking out. You t- timed his inhale. I said, yeah, because I realized in fighting, in training, if I would inhale and somebody would hit me, that's when your muscles don't work. You can do 5,000 sit-ups a day. It doesn't really have, uh, work anything because if you breathe again, it's not going to help you. You see, so once, the closer you get to your opponent the more you need to be aware of your breathing patterns. Now, if you start chest breathing, you'll give away that you're really tired first of all also. That's an easy catch for your opponent. But if you're simply belly breathing, you know, you're much stronger and it looks like you're much more in control, even when you are getting tired, which are actually you're going to get less tired because you are breathing correctly. You see, but once, once you're in the fire, so to say, if you're exchanging punches, everything needs to be automatically. And then for you to still pick that up, you have to put yourself in those situations in training because then you still... Need to use your core to breathe, which is also a little bit of a dangerous thing to do, of course, because if the guy is throwing body shots, maybe you don't want to do it. You want to maybe a little bit that, uh, start chest breathing or hybrid breathing. So you're using it a little bit less of your core because if he connects at the inhale, that could be trouble for you. You see? So, but all these little details we go over in, in the course. So people are like, whoa, there's different, there's three different ways of breathing during a fight. Come on, boss. I go, yeah, but you know, you train it just like any other muscle, you know, and you start identifying it and you start doing it automatically, you know, and Dr. Belizzo, already was talking that there are some fighters who do this instinctively, you know, by themselves. They never trained on it. But, you know, if you aren't breathing correctly, this is the time for you to start learning. And this is important. That's why this, this, um, this course is so important to us, you know, and, and also for military, everybody who's under stress should watch this course. I truly believe so.
1: You know what? Um, one of the things that we talk about is breathing behind the shield. Um, I saw that. Cow. I was
0: like, oh, I like that term.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it's, podcast, you know, <laughs> the belly breath is really just the beginning breath to start getting your body to uh, get accustomed to the middle of it moving. Um, I don't think that anybody should be continuing just to belly breathe because that's really only the middle of your diaphragm. And the kind of breath that you want eventually, once you get good is 360 degrees so that you can breathe, you know, boss talked about this before in quadrants and so that you can breathe behind the shield. So you can breathe sideways and you can breathe through your back. And you wouldn't believe how many people are so used to breathing vertically with their upper chest and shoulders that they don't know how to breathe all the way around. And especially for a fighter, breathing all the way around is important for a firefighter as well, because when you're on the ground um, with equipment and you're on the ground and you're crawling is that there's going to be positions that you're in that necessitate your having to breathe maybe forwards a little bit just to get a pocket of air, maybe a little bit to the side. You have to be comfortable with your body being uh, in positions where you can't just breathe forwards. You might have to breathe and actually expand your back. So breathing behind the shield, again, I'm always telling um, my firefighters that they need to do jujitsu because there's, they're so complementary. Um, And again, tactical and combat athletes, there's so much overlap in not only the need for endurance um, and strength, but also the need for um, controlling arousal and recovery. And one of the things that we touch on, and I talk about this in other podcasts as well, is that using the breath, um, a breath-led meditation for recovery, yes, is good because you get into that trance state set you know, et cetera, and so on. But more specifically for me, because I like the physiological is that when you do a five or 10 minute breath led meditation, which is hard, is that that's when your body detoxifies. That's when your cortisol comes down. That's when your heart rate comes down. So using that very hard breathing and then relaxing as part of detoxifying your body and recovering from day to day is... is, really
0: important. Well you talked about jiu-jitsu. I actually finally got back in the gym consistently for it's just been just a little over a year now. I was as a firefighter, I was on shift and, you know, single father and all these things and it, it made my training very, very sporadic and my improvement very, very poor. But now I've got to go two, three times a week, I'm really, you know, exposed to a lot more discomfort than I was before. And when you talk about positions and, and the benefit of jujitsu for other professions i think about the ability to breathe when i'm you know someone's inside control mount neon belly so talk to me about you know what you're bringing to the to the grappling athlete to use their breath to remain calm in positions that maybe other people will be tapping out from
2: yeah well uh, i actually show that on a person We're in my gym we talk exactly about this you know what? What happens if somebody slaps a uh, a body triangle on? You know, and he has this is the guy with a little shorter leg. So the, and he you will still be able to pull his foot behind the knee of the, his other knee. Now it's a very tight. And if that thing is close to your to to the lower part of your ribs, to your diaphragm, you're gonna you're gonna be forced. To use, You have to start chest breathing. So this is important. A neon belly, we go over that. We go in the guard over when everything is closed. Yeah, that's exactly what we... Uh, we also go over... I show you exercises on a cable machine that if you want you start stacking weight on it, you're using your core while you're punching, but you still need to take a breath. So most of the time on the pullback, you can try to get a little bit of air. You start focusing on when to take that breath. and that, But with a lot of weight also, it, if you do only one arm, if you pull back, there's still stress on that core. But it teaches you at certain moments when it's almost impossible to take a breath because everything is cramped to still be able to take a breath. So yeah, those techniques, like in jiu-jitsu, we go over it.
0: Beautiful. Well, Melissa, you touched on being mindful of your breath, for example, when you're climbing stairs. And that is such a pertinent example. My last apartment right next to my station was a 28-story high-rise. And so we would train doing just that. Now, your goal is not to climb stairs. Your goal is to affect a rescue once you get to whatever floor that is. And it might be, Murphy's Law, it's going to be 28 and the person's going to be 400 pounds. Um, (laughs) So conservation is very important. When I think of the CrossFit workouts, one of my favorite ones that mirrors the the high exertion versus recovery is an emom every minute on the minute you normally got about 30 minutes 30 excuse me 30 seconds work and about 30 seconds recovery that would also mirror again in a fight you know whether it's a 2 minute round 3 minute round you've got that minute or so to try and bring everything down talk to me about understanding when you're not in that high exertion phase, how you can use breathing to lower that bar back down as, as low as possible, ready for the next level of exertion?
1: Well, when you're in a situation that you can manage your energy, you should. So for instance, if you're going upstairs, no, um, not being breathing through in through your mouth and out through your mouth on the second set of, set of stairs, if you have another 26 to go is good, is that... Knowing how tired you are, given if you're breathing through your nose or your mouth, and, and using those gears as energy management um, is important. Then there's what's called intra-event recovery. So if you have a few seconds to recover, whether it's at at, you know, in your corner or between stairwell between stairwells, is that um how are you going to breathe? And you know this as a firefighter is that you're leaning on you know, you're leaning whenever you can, whenever you can grab um, a handrail is that you will lean on it. And if you are able to either lean on the cage or lean on your knees um, or lean on the handrail is that it lets your body um, use the diaphragm to breathe more. Because remember, your diaphragm is your main muscle of respiration, of detoxification and of balance. So if it has to choose, it's going to choose the breath over the other two which means that you're more prone to usually knee and ankle injuries and obviously with with firefighters you have a lot of hips as well um but when you're recovering you have a few seconds to recover is that um down putting your hands on your knees is the best thing you can do if you have equipment on and you can't do that make sure you lean up on something that means your diaphragm will be able to expand um, then make sure that your breathing IQ and you can go to the breathingIQ.com is an A because it means that when you take a breath, it's going to be the biggest breath possible. It's going to use the least amount of energy and be the biggest breath, which is exactly what you want. So are you going to take one breath this way or five this way? Right? Um, what happens if you only have 10 seconds, 15 seconds? You really want to be aware of how you're breathing because you have a very limited amount of time to reoxygenate because, of course, you're at an oxygen deficit um, and calm yourself down if you need to calm down. And again, working with first responders, people always assume that folks want to calm down. And yes, you want to keep yourself sort of in the middle of the curve in flow with your heart rate at an optimal place, but you don't always want to calm down. There's times that you want to actually upregulate where you want to become more alert, and you can use the breath for that as well. But with intra-event recovery is making sure that you have a mechanically sound breath and that when you take one breath or two really quickly, they're good, deep breaths,
2: um, really deep breaths is is what's key. You know, and and what she also the doctor said about the body chooses breathing over everything else, and that's what you have to understand. Also, when you're all you're all your gear, you go up metaborflex, right? Just a nice word for uh, gassing. Right, that once you start gassing and you're wearing all that gear and you get your muscles are getting tight and suddenly you started gassing, that is actually your body taking the, the oxygenated blood away from all the other muscles and sends it to the number one priority of the body, which are your breathing muscles. And that's why you start gassing. That's why it's so important for people to understand once you start updating those breathing muscles, you know, and make them stronger so they don't have to steal the blood anymore, oxygenated blood from your limbs, you see, that's when you increase. That's why it's so important, especially with you guys with all that gear.
0: One of the big aha moments when it came to breath, and I've obviously got to speak to so many amazing minds, obviously yourselves, Wim Hof, Brian McKenzie, um, but was finally the penny dropping on the whole nasal breathing side. So in, for example, CrossFit, it was a struggle at first. And I I don't have the smallest nose in the world. I think it's been bent a few times, so maybe not be quite as as, uh, efficient as it should be. But I was amazed how... It, it was a regulator, you know, you have that on, on fire trucks. You can only go so many miles an hour and it, and it wouldn't let you accelerate anymore. And so I never kind of hit that red zone unless obviously I opened my mouth and went for, you know, full exertion. Then you kind of parallel that again with the fire service, You're climbing stairs, having my mouth closed, having that slow, deliberate breath seemed to reserve a lot more in my tank for you know, you're having to force a door or drag someone out, which may, as you said, require the, finally opening your mouth and, and doing that max exertion effort. What is your perspective? And I'll take, you know, both of you in, in the fighters element and, and, you know, the breath element specifically, as far as uh, nasal breathing as much as you can in the athletes that you both work with.
2: You, you want to start or do I start, Lisa?
1: You go, boss.
2: Okay. I love this one because I hear this a lot with the auto trainer the whole time. The auto trainer is a device that strength like muscle training for your breathing muscles, right? It's only four minutes a day, you know, and it goes through your mouth. And the most asked question I ever got and I got so sick of it for people again. but I'm a nasal breather. I go, oh, so you're the same guy who when he drink, does weight training and he leaves the gym, you take the weights with you. Is that what you do? You, you walk him around. They go, what do you mean? I say, dude, you only you go in the gym to strengthen those muscles so that without those, you're much stronger. That's the same with training, strengthening your breathing muscles. You, yes, you do it four minutes through your mouth, but guess what? Afterwards, and you already said the same thing now, because you are used to diaphragmatic breathing, you will be able to breathe even better in through your nose because your breathing muscles are stronger. I go, because if you believe that swimmers never open their mouth, and only breathe through their nose, you got to be an idiot, you know, because they're under the water. And of course they have perfect breath. And I understand that they will focus still on the nose, but Guys, come on, man. What if your nose gets broke? What if you got a cold and now suddenly you're going to have to fight or you're going to have to run a, uh, fly the stairs? You're going to be forced to use your mouth. So buckle breathing, what we do, your mountaineers use that is nose and mouth at the same time. So once your breathing muscles are strong and even if they have to make them stronger, which is only the case with an inspiratory muscle trainer, which is the trainer, is through your mouth, It's only four minutes a day. That's it. You know, after that, the rest of the 24 hours and 15, you know, whatever, you can breathe better through your nose because you paid attention to your breathing muscles.
1: I couldn't have said it better. So um, the breathing through your nose is obviously really important. However, most of us have a hard time doing that during the day because we talk and we talk a lot. Like when we're not talking to each other, we're on the phone, we're on the computer So the most important time to breathe through your nose is when you're sleeping. So that's actually um, what I recommend is uh, I love the mute nasal expanders, you know, whatever mouth tape you want to use, and just make sure that you're breathing through your nose at night. Right now, we have, you know, there's so many people, especially with tactical combat athletes that have deviated septums and actually can't. So do you fix your nose if you're going to keep fighting? Probably not. Right. Um, So again, breathing through your nose at night, when I have a patient who comes in and talks to me about breathing through the nose is that, yes, make sure you're breathing through your nose at night. um, And then during the day, you need to be able to switch depending on what you're doing. And again, I do CrossFit as well. So it's really about energy management is when am I breathing nose, nose? And then, you know, when you're going full throttle and you're almost done, do you switch to what boss just said, which is what mountaineers do, um, which is a uh, nasal buckle breathing, both mouth and nose. Um, but especially with children. So th- kids, folks who have kids um, really need to look at their kids because they're still growing and, um, and their, you know, their their faces and their jaws are growing. So when it comes to nasal breathing, you know, I give those two simple things, which is focus on it at night. If you have kids, it's terrifically important. And then when you have a sport is work out your breathing muscles so that when you do switch to your nose, which is a smaller orifice, it's not hard. And you'll see people who are untrained, just to add to what Boss said, is that if you take someone who is not a good breather biomechanically, does not have strong breathing muscles, and if you're not working out your breathing muscles separate from your sport, you don't have strong breathing muscles. And you tell them to breathe through their nose hard, you they will automatically go vertical, automatically. So being able to have good breathing uh, biomechanics and work out your breathing muscles means that you have more choice, not just about your arousal, which you do, but also you have more choice about, am I breathing through my nose now? Am I breathing through my nose and my mouth now? Um, you know, And again, especially in a tactical and a combat situation, which is uh, changes so quickly, is that you want to be able to have that flexibility.
0: Well, Bas, you touched on the O2 trainer. I'd love just to kind of revisit it. You know, I think we spoke last time there was that movement of um, what they call them altitude masks, which was nothing to do with altitude. It was just a valve. Um, but some of the tools out there, you know, there there's resistance on the exhale and the inhale. Talk to me about what makes O2 trainer unique and then how you're using it in the system that you just released.
2: Well, you know, if you control b- both ways simultaneously, it's a very bad thing. If you separate both exercise, it's good. It's like, so once you do an inhale workout with resistance and after that, once you're done with that, you do an exhale workout. That's actually really freaking good because Dr. police already touched on it. The exhale is super important. You want to express everything out, you know, um, strengthening your breathing muscles is everything. I mean, it's, Um, we give great exercises in the breathing course you know and that's your and you can control your breathing with that but if you want to add some weight to it you know then you use an inspiratory muscle training and inspiratory muscle training is of all Only for the inhale. You go to any published medical journal website, punch in inspiratory muscle training and see what pops up. It's bizarre. And that's why it blows me away that no more people pay attention to to breathing. So if you control both in in one exercise and it's both with a heart resistance, you can never really exhale. You can never really inhale. So you kind of breathe in the middle, so to say. That's why separating it makes it much better. And that's the difference between like the training mask and all the other things. Than the O2 trainer, the O2 trainer also you can work out with if you like, but we say it's better to just do the breathing exercise because then you really focus on your breathing muscles. And a big one, and I wanted to mention this before because Dr. Belisa was talking about it, what also made a giant difference for me was my back breathing muscles. And she came to me when I was with with the O2 training. she says, oh, you should work out your back breathing muscles with the O2 trainer. I go, I'm going to do that. And then she showed me an exercise and that completely changed everything then my stamina got increased so much but by the way for the people who have an inspiratory muscle trainer and you do the back breathing exercise for the first time don't do the 30 repetitions and every person who did the 30 repetitions will tell you the same thing because the next few days you're going to be in complete pain because you're using muscles you never used before and it's like you did a really hard muscle workout for your back it's like it was really hurting me it was very uncomfortable so just do two 15 repetitions the next time 20 then 25 and once you're 30 you just you keep on going. But back breathing is everything because Dr. police already touched to you and you you breathe 360 degrees circumferential. So at the auto trader we teach you a front breathing exercise for the front breathing muscles and then a back breathing exercise and I alternate between the two of them. So today this morning I actually did my back breathing. So tomorrow I'm going to do the front breathing. This way, if I did today my back breathing, my back breathing muscles can rest. For tomorrow, when I attack my front breathing muscles, it's the same with power training. If you every day do your chest, well, actually, you're going to stop growing because you don't give your t- your muscles time to recoup with protein and rest that make be me stronger because you're constantly breaking them down. That's the same with breathing muscles, although, you know, four or five minutes a day is not really going to make a super big infa- impact. Now, if you want to add l- way more endurance, then you start adding all the breathing exercises we have on the Breathing for Warriors course. And 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 that, you know, and also what Dr. Biz was talking about, it's we had people, they go like, man, I'm getting, you're almost getting high. It's a natural high. You all start tinkling. Your body starts tinkling everywhere. And this is by just breathing. So it's the cheapest drug on the planet. You don't have to, you can control it yourself. Why not?
1: <laughs> That's perfect. You know what? Um, One of the things I've been talking a lot about lately, James, is that we have to, um, change the definition of endurance to be more modern. And most people, when they think about endurance, they think about cardio, they think about cardiovascular and actually endurance is cardiovascular and respiratory. So you have your heart and your breathing muscles and your lungs, and those two things together are what give you the best endurance. So we're training our hearts when we do cardio, obviously, and training respiratory muscles has to be separate from your sport. You do them completely separate on their own. And as Boss just said, your inhale muscles and your exhale muscles are different muscles. It's not the same muscle going in different directions. Inhale muscles is your diaphragm and your external intercostals. Exhale muscles is your internal intercostals and all your core muscles. So they're completely different, inhale and exhale. Diaphragm is only an inhale muscle, and training both of them is terrifically important. What I love about about this kind of work is that you can see the change, is that we've actually made it, and this is the way I've always talked, is making it very practical. Do this like a workout, and we actually do, I am thinking about you're talking about CrossFit, is that we do a BWOD. It's a breathing workout of the day. And that we give you three breathing workouts of the day. And then we give you a couple more in the programming, but work on your breathing muscles the same way you do CrossFit. We start with a skill and then do strength training um, and then do, and then add on some accessory work at the end. It's exactly set up like a CrossFit workout, you know, because that I love that model and it works really well, but just treat it like you are working out your legs. Same thing, really hard um, really methodically, and that's what the programming gives you is that here's your starting number. Um, here's the number you want to get to. And most importantly, let's look at your measure of endurance and see how it changes because that's fascinating to me. I'm about results. So what was your uh, 3k time before you started doing the exercises? What was how many laps could you get in swimming in 10 minutes? But, you know, what about a rowing time that you do all the time, then you do 14 to 28 days of the workouts, and then you retake your endurance again and see how it's changed. And it's pretty wild.
0: Well, you mentioned that you gave me access to the program before we start recording, and I totally dropped the ball on on that. Um, however, my son, who struggled with asthma, or actually more bronchospasms it technically wasn't asthma it was more of an inhalation issue that he had um but he's now a a cross-country and a track runner for his high school so there is no better time for me to do it alongside him because he will absolutely have those metrics and hopefully be able to tell me that he shaved x amount of seconds off his mile so we will i'll I'll do that but not just myself i'll actually get him on this program as well
1: good that's
2: perfect
0: now you mentioned the I'm sorry, Bas Karen, please.
2: No, no, I just <laughs> wanted to say one because because I wrote it down really fast. I saw you writing it down. It's thebreathingiq.com for people who wanna see how they breathe. But the, put the word the for it, the breathing IQ. So that because if you say the breathing IQ to come, a lot of people just do breathing IQ to come. But T-H-E before it, yeah. and that's where you can measure where you breathe and how you breathe, and then, you know, you go, this is what we have with uh, with, with the whole spread Excel sheet. Uh, Dr. Blesa did an insane job, and it took so much time to do it. You put all your numbers in there. You, you, you measure your breathing IQ. You put all your numbers in there, and then we will give you the exercises needed to increase that. And then, like, a week later, you're already going to be amazed, That two weeks later, it's like you see it increase in front of your very eyes.
0: Beautiful. Well, I want to hit one area before I forget. You mentioned about core lifting is a big thing in the fire service. You know, obviously if you're gonna be slamming someone in a in a cage, then you're doing the same thing, you're lifting a human being up. Talk to me about breath and that that bracing around the spine, that abdominal pressure, whether that's you know perceived or actual.
2: Well, that's, that's the same you know? thing. Yeah, you have to work it out. You know, those are the exercises that we did. You know, if you're not used to it, you didn't do it before. You never know. It's like, uh, you know, you've been trained as a firefighter to do all that, but then suddenly, for your very first time, there's the real fire. That's a whole different ball game. I can only imagine, you know, because that's a lot of stress, something that you never had in your nice training environment. You know, it was all acted like stress, but you knew it was never real. It's like soldiers have the same thing. Now they shoot real bullets, you know, and in fighting is the same. Now they hit for real. You make a mistake, you go out. You see, so to bring the game over from a nice and controlled environment and you bring that to your profession, in your case, you know, when the big fire happens, that's the hardest thing to conquer, I always say. That's the same in fighting. You have a lot of dojo fighters, we call them. They're very good in the dojo, but they don't seem to, can control their nerves under pressure. And that's why they will never be a champion. And it's sad because they're really good, but they it's just their mind stops them from doing that. So those are the two things. So in this particular case, you know, you have to work it out. You know, kettlebell swings, stuff like that, you have to really start doing because there are certain moments once you are balancing, when once when you constantly have a weight and you're leaning forward, yeah, you're activating your core the whole time. So you got to figure out the fireman's scary. It's in the middle of the neck. Why do you think it's there? Because then you can stand straight up and you can still use your core to breathe. If you would lean over doing that, it's going to be very hard for you to breathe a diaphragmatic breath because your core is crunching and you put a lot of stress on it, you see? So it's just putting yourself in those situations that you're used to it, but use a lot of weight.
1: So, you know, finessing your Valsalva, I think is really important, is going, getting your breathing IQ to be an A. And then doing valsalva um, and and rebracing once your breathing mechanics are good is can really change the way you lift and you know avoid injury and actually get stronger. So you wouldn't believe how many folks don't do a valsalva that's middle of the body. They end up doing it that's more there's more pressure up by their neck and then they feel sort of lightheaded. So being able to really take a diaphragmatic breath and then have a really strong brace um, is what gives you that pressure that you need. Um, you know, whether you're doing a back squat, a front squat, a deadlift, or whatever. So, but it changes the feeling of the pressure. It actually feels um, it feels safer, it feels better, it feels more stable. And then again, in relation to strength training, is that Once you re-rack, taking a really big inhale, not staying in that brace, but actually relaxing and taking that inhale to re-oxygenate so that you get less tired, you know, so on and so forth. So um, with strength training, it's it's really fascinating. Boss mentioned kettlebells. And in kettlebells, you are going to stay slightly braced or, or very braced depending on the weight the whole time. So when are you going to catch that breath and what part of your body is allowed to do it? It's pretty fascinating. If you geek out on this kind of stuff is when I change my mechanics to be perfect, is that how does that change the way I breathe at the gym? And you should be knowing every single movement you make at the gym, you should know how you're breathing. And to me, it's fascinating. CrossFit athletes are are actually different. They're very um, very conscious of the pace and the breath. Um, but often I'll talk to someone, I'll say, how do you breathe when you do that? And they say, actually have never thought about it. And that's crazy because if that breath is keeping your spine safe and that breath is allowing you to lift harder or do more reps, like why not integrate it into your workout? So we actually used um, uh, for our model in the video, we used Doug Frushi from Gold's Gym and uh, he is he's has an amazing breath for a guy who's like ginormous you know um and has a tiny waist and you know is this incredible shape he is able to inhale and have a diaphragmatic breath and you know is is really out of the ordinary but he's he's a guy that you'll see in the video is uh, is huge and obviously lifts a lot and and uses the breath in the way you should
2: yeah, everybody in my gym must uh, go, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who's the guy when he walked in? He's a giant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he has lats like, yeah, he's like a dinosaur.
0: Well, I'm assuming a bodybuilder is so lean and so symmetrical that they must be a great anatomical exhibit to demonstrate the breath if they do it correctly.
1: Yeah, That's yeah, if definitely. they have the flexibility. Yep. That's yeah.
2: it.
1: So you take a powerlifter and you take um, a bodybuilder and it's, two different animals, two absolutely different animals with different problems when it comes to breathing. So your bodybuilder, I usually have to work on their inhale. Your power lifter, I definitely have to work on their exhale. And that's the nuance that's really interesting. And Boss mentioned this before. When you have someone who's who's heavier, you're going to work on their exhale because it's their exhale that's probably going to need help. If you have someone who's super lanky, they're not inhaling. And we see that with fighters all the time is that your lanky uh, fighters who are braced and ripped sometimes have a really hard time inhaling and expanding.
0: Yeah, well, I know as a skinny guy my whole life, your, your only real asset aesthetically are your abs. And what I realized for a long time, being a martial artist as well, but I was constantly flexing them. And it wasn't until I just let my ego go and be like, for fuck's sake, James, stop, (laughs) that I actually allowed my belly to start breathing properly.
1: Wow. And then again, the belly breath is the beginning breath. But as a fighter, the last thing you want to do is telegraph what you're doing. So you learn to breathe through your sides and through your back so that you're not telling someone what you're going to do with your belly breath. So that belly breath is really just to start getting used to the idea of breathing low and then you change it to breathe however you need to
2: Around that circle you see that's that's a good thing because like when I breathe I, with resistance with the auto trader, I feel the lower part of my ribs actually. they're the ones that are pushing out. That's actually also the part that we're measuring with the breathing IQ. you know that's that's exactly where you put the the measurement on the, the lower part of your ribs because that's where your um, your diaphragm is located behind. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Well, I want to get to mobility and then we'll kind of, you know, give an overview of the course so people understand truly what you're offering. But before I do, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Melissa, in our first conversation, your early work involved um, sexual health for a woman's magazine. Have I got that right?
1: Uh, it was, I was the sex editor at men's fitness magazine. That's
0: right. Okay. Thank so, you. Yeah, I, I was, want...
1: It was more interesting. It was men's, it was men's sexual health. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> with that,
0: because there's no better buy-in, like for example, when I talk about heart disease, you know, there's no better way of getting a man's attention than telling them, Hey, if you can't get an erection, that's not something you take a pill for. That's a terrible, you know, terrifying red flag for heart disease. And then, okay, now you got my attention. With this breath work, when I think of, you know sex and, and orgasms, there's, there's a hyperventilation element to this. With you having that lens from back in the day and being in the breath work now, are there any correlations between better oh. breath and better orgasms?:
1: Yes. Um, and it's actually uh, it's actually specifically better erections is that think about um, those topical creams. I'm sure you guys have never tried them um, that actually help your erection. And that actually just helps blood flow um, go to your penis, right? So to the, to make things harder. Um, So if you are breathing and you're well oxygenated and, and the same thing happens. And I, I will have Folks, once they've done breathing with me, say, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of aroused. Like, what's what's going on with this? And it does have to do with A, your breathing, your whole body is moving when usually we're pretty stagnant all day long. Um, and I always talk about pelvic floor when I talk about breathing. Because as you think about, you know, we talk about this uh, soda pop model, which is a w- brilliant woman named Mary Massery came up with it. Is that the middle of your body is the soda can um then you have your diaphragm no one talks about the bottom we kind of like don't think about that cuz that's you know uncharted territory that we're not supposed to talk about but your pelvic floor is the bottom of the container so taking care of your pelvic floor has to happen when you're taking care of your diaphragm so when you inhale and exhale this is what's happening so if this part of your body is all of a sudden moving with your breath you're going to believe you know believe me that it's going to be a healthier um, more responsive and, you know, probably on your mind a little bit more. So pelvic floor health and breathing definitely go together. Um, you want your pelvic floor to be healthy, not only so that you don't end up in adult diapers, but, but for your erection and for your sexual health. So that's just kind of one of the nice tidbits of all this. We don't talk about it in the video, but, you know, um, as far as, as you're being sexually aroused, as far as your you're, um, you're doing, being able to do Kegels and control your arousal as well. Notice the squeezing of my hand when I do that, <laughs> is that it's going to be able to have you control your arousal, have a better erection and just better blood flow and oxygen flow to that area. And, and you know, men and women, who doesn't want that?
2: Like the best line you said, I'm sure you guys never used those creams. I know, I saw you
0: smiling. <laughs> the only cream I've ever put on there is Bengay. I'll never do that again. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, speaking of the aging athlete, and I think that, you know, sexual health and performance is always a great buy-in tool. I think pelvic floor and incontinence in the woman is obviously a very important topic too. But um, mobility. So as you mentioned, you know, I've seen it in myself. I, my, my thing I've said recently, and it's something that I'm still giving lip service to, I haven't fully immersed, is that if I purely work on my mobility now as a 48-year-old, you know, we, aging weekend warrior – My endurance will improve. My strength will improve. Well, I'm assuming that my respiratory side will improve as well. So talk to me about the importance of mobility as we age when it comes to our breath.
2: Well, I got to touch it all the way at the beginning. You know, your thoracic flexibility, that's what starts decreasing at the age of 29. So if you're a person who... Didn't do any breath breathwork. You're already 45, 50 years old. You know your lungs are much smaller, so the flexibility is everything. And that's why we have these five really great uh, exercises, the Big Five, are they called um, to stretch all your breathing muscles, which is what I said in the early in the beginning of the podcast. A lot of guys forget that. You know, thankfully for me, when I was uh, competing myself, I had, I don't know why I came up with 12 days, but I would stop 12 days before the fight. I would stop doing power training. No more muscle strength because, you know, it's a, it, it could only make me tighter. But I never believed it was good for breathing because I didn't understand the breathing, how, how it worked. I didn't ex- knew that expanding your chest was actually the way you were breathing. So, um, yeah, that's it. You just focus on that and it should be good.
1: With, uh, with mobility, you'll see folks who have the best thoracic mobility actually have the best breathing. So when you think about it and you watch someone do a twist is that most of the time, if they're not doing it well, they'll twist at the waist, but rib cage stays very rigid and your rib cage is actually what's supposed to be most flexible. So doing those twists, but making sure that it's your rib cage that's moving, that you're keeping the little space, those intercostals um, stretchy. Those are the, the rib meat on ribs. Um, and that you're able to really twist and turn around um, at the rib cage, at the shoulders, at the neck. If you can't turn around and look behind you, you're prey, right? Um, and if you can't twist your rib cage, it means that you're going to stay in a hyperinflated state very often. Is that this is rigid? Your rib, your thoracic cavity becomes a rib cage. And you won't be able to exhale really well, which means that you're full of residual air. So that your middle of your body be mobile um, is exactly what the breath is, and we measure that by the breathing IQ. Um, breathing is a movement like any other. So just how you have uh, functional, you know, movement assessments of 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 mobility is that the breathing IQ is a functional movement screening. Actually, I can't use those words because that's somebody else's, but it's a (laughs) brilliant system in itself. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) is that it does look at how flexible um, is your rib cage and how flexible is your breathing? Because breathing is about flexibility. And like I said, it's a movement, but it's inside your body and it's possibly the most important movement that you can do well. You should be doing well.
2: Number one priority, you know, we all focus. That's uh, But I will always mention this when, with the promotion, the, the survival rule of three, right? Three weeks, the average human being can go three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without oxygen. And we all focus on what we eat and what we drink, and everybody forget about the number one priority in the body. What about enhancing that? What will that do good for me? I mean, if food does it, that water does it. What do you think about breathing? But there I go again. We just go like, oh, I've been breathing since I came out of the freaking womb, dude. I know how to breathe. That's what people say. That's what I would have said 10 years ago. But now I'm a whole completely different animal. That's why I'm screaming (laughs) at from the rooftops. Chase me.
0: Well, I I think you say the same with running. I mean, technically, humans should be able to run flawlessly. But you look at a lot of our adult peers who begin running, you're like, oh, my goodness. You know, that's something that you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to address your immobilities and your body composition, and ask someone to teach you the proper stride. Because we, I think, we did innately have this, but modern society has taken it away from us, and we have to relearn it.
1: We're good sitters now. We sit really well for long amounts of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a yeah. black belt in that. I'll do a lot of good. Yeah, black belt <laughs> in that. But yeah, whenever I have somebody come in and see me, I do some mobility, not a lot because it's not specifically my expertise, but you need to be able to get in a squat. You need to be able to squat to the floor. You need to be able to touch your toes because of your hamstrings and your hamstrings do affect your breath because all that's, you know, attaches to your spine and your body should be moving as you inhale and exhale. But right now I think that, you know, as you're listening, is that look at your rib cage. You should be able to, without moving your shoulders, feel the middle of your body expand and then feel it really contract. It should be stretchy. It should be loose. Any animal on the planet you look at is is breathing in the middle of its body because that's where the best part of your lungs are. So strengthening those, making sure that the breath is in the right location of your body, that you're breathing diaphragmatically, making sure that those muscles are, um, are stretchy and flexible and then making sure they're strong. Most important thing you can do today.
2: What, what is the, 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 those monks uh, who only train their breathing muscles, like the Beliza for like, they do it like for three years and how many miles did they run right after that? It, it's like 200 miles or something, right? So you know, something oh, insane. Yeah. And, yeah. and they just train their breathing muscles. They don't run. They don't work out yeah. the, the, the legs. No, nothing. Yeah, Just their breathing muscles. And then they start running for like an insane amount of time and far. It's just yeah. bizarre. I have to look it up what the numbers for, but it's something like 200 pounds in, in 48 hours or something, of 200 miles in 48 hours. It's crazy.
1: Which is why the opposite is so interesting. If you have someone who has strong running muscles um, yeah. and you add breathing muscles to it, their performance is, changes it gets better because all of a sudden you have the two muscles two sets of muscles that are responsible for better performance so it's it's pretty wild
0: beautiful well as I mentioned there's there's two types of people that I think are so pertinent to what you're offering I mean obviously both of you have you know so many more things uh, in your repertoire as well but the tactical athlete and the MMA athlete I think are two you know two are cut from the same cloth that the 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 demands the the need for mobility and endurance and, and strength endurance especially is is paramount so for people listening can you give me an overview of of what the uh you know what the course is and all the different kind of mediums that people can access well
2: we'll, we'll talk about targeted breathing you know how to breathe uh what, what we just talked about in the cage or in the fight or during a fight or to, to uh, f- for you like high stress situations how you start changing your breathing to still get that full breath metabore flex we're talking about that the blood stealing metabore is gassing you know and how to stop that uh, tactical breathing um, oh yeah the, 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 that, that's uh, actually uh, Dr. Belisa came up with that that's the, 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 the deliberate use of diaphragmatic breathing body mechanics and p- pacing for the control of arousal um, and 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 workout of control of arousal, heart rate, and training in an active of. she I didn't do it for, for a while <laughs> since the course. I'm going to do this again. The deliberate use of diaphragmatic breathing bi- biomechanics and pacing for the control of arousal and heart rate in a training in a performance or active recovery setting. That was it. I got it. I got it, I got it. That was it. <laughs> I,
1: and that's and actually I, that definition is actually in um fdny's mental performance initiative uh outline so it has made it into the books in the fire service which as you know is really hard to change anything in the fire service um it takes a while so that definition that definition is in there yeah
0: so as far as as the the program overview where can people find it you know how many weeks is it going to take them through like what are the, what are the kind of overview that um the listener can get so they understand what it is you're offering
1: so you can find it on breathingforwarriors.com um and what it is is lectures which uh sometimes are a little funny because we've I put a I put boss in a couple outfits and um so lectures which are entertaining um, and then a lot of Q&A, a lot of science. And then, of course, the practical, which is what do I do? Because that's been missing a lot from breath work and performance is, you know, how do I train this? What do I do every day? So you get examples of workouts. So I actually I do a workout with a class, which you can do at the same time. Um, breathing wads, as I said, I do three breathing wads. Um, And then give you programming as well so that you can um, do the programming on your own for up to 28 days. So like I said, it's a really thorough, thorough package um, in that you learn about things, you apply them, you get your questions answered, um, and then you have classes that you can watch and do at the same time. And then you have programming as well. And we do teach an active meditation, the recovery meditation. So you have audios of that, um, and then a whole workbook with with everything that we talked about, and the articles that we talked about as well.
0: Brilliant. Well, to stay on you for a second, Belissa, where can people find you over and above the uh, Breathing for Warriors site?
1: So I'm at uh, Dr. Belissa on Instagram and the Breathing Class. Um, the Breathing Class URL. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Now, Bas, um, same for you. If there's anywhere you, anything you want to add to the Breathing for Warriors MMA program, and then let's talk about where you can find the O2 trainer.
2: Uh, we're talking about, you know, I was giving the examples already, what you can find in the course, but also, you know, what happens, why are you getting calm and relaxed? No, you know, it's by stimulating the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve, what is the vagus nerve and what it does? And uh, all that stuff, we go, we touch on everything. So that's why the course is so good. And then your question was the, where can people find the O2 trader. Oh, the the well, O2 com. go there. That's like weight training for your breathing muscles. Just four minutes a day. You do it. Uh, and, but you need to have your breathing. It actually will force you also to breathe using your diaphragm, because if you chest breathe, you simply cannot pull enough strength. in. so if you go with a heart resistance cap, you're going to be forced to use your diaphragm. So the combination here is the gold combination because once with me, once I understood breathing and how it worked and what I was doing wrong and then start working on it, uh, it, it it's, it's it's a crazy difference. I use this example when I'm using my uh, breathing muscles the correct way. In 2018, I started with a certain setting on the auto trainer. What you do is you do 30 repetitions. And if you want to see how you increase, I say time your sessions. So it took me three minutes and 45 minutes to complete the 30 repetitions. That was the first time I trained with the auto trainer, start doing it. Two years later, I'm much stronger in breathing now. And I look at my wife and I say, you know what? I'm going to use that setting. See how fast I can do it now. I did it in 55 seconds. So I went from 345 to 55 seconds. So if people say, Hey, how can you see the difference? That's the difference with the breathing course. Very simple. How can you see the difference? Well, you measure your breathing IQ And then, like, whatever you're doing, you take the two-week or the four-week program, uh, and then you measure your breathing IQ afterwards, and you're going to be blown away because it will completely change. And now you're a diaphragmatic breather or a horizontal breather, as we call it as well. And then everything you, you can get up to five times more oxygen in your body. If that doesn't ring a bell for you in order to start breathing correctly, I don't know what is.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much. I mean, I know, you know, that we got both you together. and know, you stopped in your car to do this conversation. So I truly appreciate you being so generous with your time today.
2: Very welcome. Very welcome. We're happy to do it, you know, because we like to do this. Because it's been a while I did an interview together with the doctor. So it's yeah. great. It's always fun.
1: An honor and a privilege, James. Absolutely. Yeah.